Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. An insider's look at the National Football League. It's NFL Lunch. Presented by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. With Vinny and Haney on 105.7 The Fan. I can't get that fired up to the point where I'm bumping coach and it's getting him off balance and stuff. I love Coach Reed. Coach Reed knows how much I'd love to play for him. I'm not playing for anybody else but Big Red. If he calls it quits this year, I'm, I'm out there with him, man. I immediately wish I would have took it back. Coach Reed actually came right up to me after that, and he just let him know. Hey, man, I love your passion. I got cameras on me all over the place, man. Vinny and Haney back here on 105.7 The Fan. It's time to feed you some football. It's NFL lunch. Cordell Woodland here for Bob. Still with Vinny Serrato and Quick Draw McGraw behind the glass. You heard that audio courtesy of the New Heights podcast. Uh, the Kelsey Brothers, They it's, it's one of the better podcasts out there between those two guys. And, of course, that's Travis Kelsey, tight end from the Chiefs talking about his running, his literal running uh, with Andy Reid on the sidelines during the Super Bowl where he blindsides his coach oh, and almost knocks him down. over. I thought he was going down. Yeah, I mean, Andy, Andy's a big dude. It's, it's tough to, to bump him over, but, you know, well, Kelsey's a big dude himself. Like the, uh, can't remember if he's had hip replacement or knee replacement. He said, but it gave the old uh, <laughs> artificial joints a challenge. <laughs> Andy is always a good quote, man. He he makes the oh. best out of every situation. Is he going to have some uh, commercials in the offseason? I would imagine so. More. More yes. commercials. I like the noogies. Yeah, I mean, and Andy's a good dude, man. And it, I wasn't happy about seeing that in the game. I even tweeted it. You know, you can't you can't do that. And And I understood Kelsey's frustration. Look, it was a pivotal <coughs> play yep. in the game, and he wasn't on the field for it. I, I understand his frustration. But you can't on that stage, like Andy said, the cameras are on. The cameras are on them every week, yeah. but especially in that game. There's, yeah, there is um, a lot, a lot of cameras on them at that time. The only time I'd ever seen kind of anything like that, where I was like, "Whoa, Steve Young did it when he we were playing." It's early in the season, and we were playing in '94. We're playing the Eagles. And we're getting hammered, like week three, 40 to eight at home, Cordell. Mm. And George Seifert pulled Steve Young, benched him. Steve, Steve came off security. He's trying to go get Seifert, and the cam- <laughs> you know the cameras are all over. Of course, him. and they're holding him back, and he's standing right behind George, yelling at him and screaming at him and stuff, you know. And it was it was like. Whoa. Yeah, I can imagine. But you know what? You know what was interesting about that one was just because we had talked about Steve earlier, kind of like the Orioles get mild mannered. Mm-hmm. And they were like, damn, Steve. Who is like, this? <laughs> right. They liked it. The yeah. players loved it, his yeah. teammates. Yeah, uh, on to some coaching news. We already mentioned earlier that uh defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo got an extension with the Kansas City Chiefs, so he'll be remaining with the Super Bowl champs to San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan, a lot has been made of uh, the 49ers players saying that they didn't understand, that they didn't know that 
there was an extra overtime period, like some of those guys were under the impression that once the clock hit zero, that was it. Um, but Kyle Shanahan, to I, I guess, corrected that or put out his own I, part I, and said that they yeah. did review it before the game. The only the only thing is, like, he and Lynch were on on Tuesday after mm-hmm. their post. To me, it's more damage control than anything right. else. Right. Uh, that's the way it kind of sounds to me is that the players didn't know. You know, and, and according to Kyle, what Kyle was saying was assistant coaches tell your players kind of thing. Whereas the Chiefs, they had a plan and everything else. So the Chiefs were more ready for it, I'll just say that, than the Niners were. The Niners hadn't really prepared for OT, mm-hmm. it seemed like. Let's go out to Philadelphia where Hassan Reddick, one of the top pass rushers in the league, uh, it was reported by ESPN that the team granted him permission to seek a trade. Uh, but then Hassan Reddick on yesterday came out and said that he never requested a trade from the Philadelphia Eagles saying, quote, never asked for a trade. However, I do understand it's a business preparing for whatever is next. Hassan Reddick is now 21. He's scheduled to enter the last season of his three-year $45 million deal. Uh, I would imagine we we talked just not too long ago about the Ravens needing a pass rusher. There are going to be pass rushers on the block. Guys like Hassan Reddick could be moved. Uh, what's what's my guy uh, Burns out in uh, Carolina? He's another one that that could be potentially High on the dollar. move as well. Oh yeah, I mean you, this it's a premium position. Yeah, I I you know I I just I can't see the Ravens trading draft picks. Cordell because that's their cheap labor and Mm -hmm. they only have eight and I could see the Ravens at some point trading back somewhere in one round or whatever to gather more picks and picking 30th you're kind of in a sweet spot there you know if somebody wants to come up get a quarterback Mm -hmm. to get that fifth year option so they I could see them trading out of the first I could see them not picking at 30 that's what I could see just because Cordell, I mean, you're talking Matabike, you're talking, you know, Williams, you're talking about Humphrey, you're talking about Stanley, uh, Andrews. You need some cheap laborers. Some guys got to be cheap. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And they were able to, look, they got cheap labor from some of the veteran guys this past yes, year. Yes, they did. And, and got Cloudy a ton of production. Real cheap. Yeah. Got it. And I, I saw. Uh, on Twitter, I guess that uh, Sarah Ellison, who does the the podcast, does a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, a Ravens podcast. Uh, she met up with uh, Kyle Van Noy out in in Vegas, and you know, as she asked him about potentially coming back to Baltimore, and uh, you know, obviously he he's like, you know, it's open. He, he's open to whatever the future holds. In other um, words, wherever I get the most money. I mean, well, I did. Say, I do see here where she says that. Uh, he told her face to face that EDC isn't going to get him at the same bargain price. He he wants more. Well, I would too if I just got nine sacks mm-hmm. off the couch. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. One last thing here up the road out in Washington, uh, the commanders there hiring down the Anthony road. down the road. Cornell. Yeah, I guess down down yes. th- that way. Uh, they're hiring Anthony Lynn to serve as their run game coordinator. Anthony Lynn, who's leaving San Francisco. Uh, as their assistant head coach slash running backs coach. He was real tight with the the new mm-hmm. GM. Yeah, Adam Peters. And then they also hired Ken Norton Jr. Yep. And John Pagano. John mm-hmm. Pagano is a friend of mine. Ken Norton Jr. played for us at the Niners. So there. let me just say, 
the guys that I know on that, he's putting a hell of a staff together. Yeah. It's all it's always hope in February. All I'm gonna say is this. If they leave that draft without Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams, I know I've made the threat well, there's a no lot way of times, they, but I'm done. They, you got the I'm second done. pick. You can get one of the two if you want. I'm done. I'm I'm telling you. I'm, I'm calling May. it quits quick draw. I'm telling you this you is You don't want it. Drake May? No. No. We You got a North Carolina you quarterback. Over, ex- how can you condone having two North Carolina quarterbacks <laughs> on your roster? No, thank you. If it's not Jaden and it ain't Caleb, I promise you on everything I love, I'm out. I'm out. And I'm not saying I'm so gonna be a Ravens commander fan. Commander sweatshirt I'm, you got. On well, this right is now. a Washington team. This is you know this isn't. They're not. This team doesn't exist anymore. Oh, <laughs> they, I, so this, like n- n- neither does my Redskins. Exactly. Stuff. That that team is gone. So th- this is now, a what different was I team. They want uh, they want to bring the Redskin name back. Is that? Well, I don't know about that, but I do know they definitely want to get the stadium in D.C. for sure. Oh, that, that's priority to me, number that's, one. That's going to be a given. I That'll think. be a sneak backdoor way to get me back if that happens. But I'm telling you. No Jaden, no Caleb. You hear me too, Chuck, because I've made that. I've, I've told him this too. I'm out. That that That's it for me. Coming up next here on Vinny and Haney, we'll get back to the Orioles pitchers and catchers. They report today. Quite a few of these Orioles took a huge step forward last year. Which one of these pitchers will take the biggest step this year? We'll talk about it next here on the Fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. They don't. Vinny and Haney, 1057 The Fan. Vinny and Haney back here on 1057 The Fan. Cordell Woodland here for the Bobster here with Vinny Serrato. Quick draw McGraw. He's behind the glass. Coming up at 1.30, we'll bring in uh, Tony Pauline to talk some draft as we are in that time of the year and Tony he's uh, an NFL draft analyst he'll talk to us about the names to look out for once we get closer to the draft in April but right now we're talking some Orioles baseball pitchers and catchers they report today and uh, looking at these pitchers quite a few of these guys were studs last year up until the postseason where the wheels kind of fell off the wagon a little bit but uh, you look at guys like uh, Kyle Bradish who, who was a Cy Young uh, finalist last year. You look at guys like Grayson Rodriguez, who had a great second half of the season. Dean Kramer had a really good year last mm-hmm. year um, as well. And then you combine that with them getting John Means back, with them adding Corbin Burns, a bona fide ace to this rotation. And that's not even uh, including some of these guys in the bullpen as well. Guys like Tyler Wells will probably end up being moved to the bullpen. Dylan Tate seems to be healthy. He's back. CNL Perez, all these different guys, Janir Cano as well. So now we're asking the question, which of these pitchers ends up taking the leap? And we can probably do a starter and a bullpen. I'll start it all. I'll say starter. I'm looking for Grayson to kind of take a a huge step. step. Yeah. I want to see him kind of build off of the momentum that he had on the back end of the regular season. And, kind of take that into this year and make it so that the my ideal 
situation is that you, we get to the back end of the season and we've got a pretty much a three-headed monster of guys that you could say could be an ace on any team in the major leagues between him, Bradish, and Corbin Burns. So I'm looking for Grayson to really take that next step. And and for me, the biggest thing is just consistency, being able to let, go deep into the game and, and and not have it fall off late in the game. That That's my biggest thing uh, for Grayson. In terms of the bullpen, I'll probably go with Dylan Tate. I'm a, I'm a big Dylan Tate guy. I thought they missed him last year. He gives them some flexibility because he can be a middle relief guy. He can be a setup guy. He can do a variety of different things. And him not being healthy last year, he wasn't able to really help them out. Help them out. Uh, Michael Elias said that Dylan Tate is back to being healthy. So I'm I'm excited to see him. I saw a video of him maybe yesterday or the day before. Uh, pitching and, and he's hitting 99.5 miles per hour. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Dylan Tate can kind of get back to the guy that he was a couple of years ago. You know who I'm kind of looking forward to taking a, a step just because he's got means. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think means could give them a lot just because, you know, he didn't, he was out all last year yeah. predominantly. You know, so I mean, that kind of guy, because he's done it before. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you, you say you get double digit wins from that guy who maybe is your third or fourth or yeah. whatever he may be. I, I think that would be a big. And then Cano, just the consistency with him, kind of yeah. like you talked about, because he had stretches where he was awesome, and then he had stretches when he was bad. What about you, Norm? Uh, Means was going to be my pick, mainly because. Even when he was at his best, an all-star in 2019, obviously pretty good in 2021 as well with the 3.62 ERA. But both those years, I mean, hovering right around 150 innings. Mm-hmm. You know, for him to take that next step, 175, creeping closer to 200, be there from game one to game 162 with no mm-hmm. prolonged stints where he's out, that's the big next step for him. You saw what he's capable of. He came right back last year, looked like he didn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. Yep. He came mm-hmm. close to throwing another no-hitter at one yep. point against uh, Cleveland. But very limited innings there, just 23 for him at the end of last season, sub-3 ERA. The talent's still there, but can he stay healthy? That's the big one for me. And uh, it's, I mean, it helps that he's a left-handed pitcher to be able to get somebody that uh, one of your, to make one of your studs in your rotation be uh, a left, a premier left-handed pitcher. I, what about I your reliever, Cordell? Uh, I'll go sticking with you mentioned lefty there for means. This could be an X factor. Cole Irvin, predominantly yeah. a starter in his career, but did get some uh, innings as a reliever with the Orioles last year. It's a crowded rotation right now. I don't see a clear route for him to crack in there unless someone has a serious injury. But because he is a lefty and he's a you know pretty strong track record here at the major league level could reinvent himself as a reliever on a competent team here. Yeah, I mean, look, health is going to be a big part for a lot of these guys. Uh, That goes for any athlete, but especially these pitchers. You know, anything can happen with these guys. And usually usually when they're they're out, they can miss a substantial amount of time. But pitching was a strong point for this ball club last year. I think it'll be the case again this year. It's kind of the backbone of what they do, pitching and defense. That's – that's their calling card. Now they've got the bats that clearly woke up last year. I expect that to be the case again this year. The Orioles did make a move earlier uh, today. They acquired outfielder Peyton Burdick from the Miami Mar- uh, Marlins in exchange for cash. good old cash considerations. He's back. They, they love to 
do cash considerations. They also placed Felix Batista on the 60-day IL with the right UCL injury. Of course, Batista's done uh, for the year. Now, Cordell, what about the um, pitching coach? Because now the the head dude from mm-hmm. last year, he's the rover or whatever. And I don't I don't know. I, I thought he did a phenomenal job. But... Oh, without question. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a, a huge uh, talking point this year as well because everybody that they were able to bring in – they took Got them better. to another level. Right. Um, and you could really make that same argument for a lot of these veteran hitters that they brought in last year as well. It, it was the same thing over there. And I, I think that'll be the key for them. Are they able to kind of, when guys go down, when starters go down, are they able to just put somebody in there and they're able to pick up where they left off? It usually doesn't work out that way, but for this team that – has the amount of young guys throughout their system that I'm sure that they're going to be looking to get called up. And then also the young guys that will be on the bench that will be fighting for at-bats because it's going to be it was tough to get at-bats for some of these guys last year. I think it's going to be even tougher this year as well. Yeah, you talked about the uh, the new pitching coach. Yeah. Drew French, by the way, comes from uh, the Braves organization. He was their bullpen guy there. Pretty strong track record there since 2021 mm-hmm. with the Braves. A lot of good pitchers yep. have come out of there. More so starters than bullpen, but uh, prior to that, also spent time in the Astros organization from 2016 to 2020. Is that when Elias was there? So, yeah, some mm-hmm. uh, some overlap there, some familiarity. That's always good, winning organizations, right? The Braves, Astros, they, they seem to get it done, and Elias is sticking with who he knows, and to this point, it's been working. And, and that's probably why, you know, having Astros connections mm-hmm. like they do with the Brewers, you know, because he said the Brewers people were Astros, so they looked at players the same. So that was probably like why it probably took a lot longer because they were asking they Elias probably knew who they were gonna be asking for because they like similar type guys. Coming up next here on Vinny and Haney, we'll look ahead to the NFL draft. It's that time of year, perfect time to bring in NFL draft analyst Tony Pauline to discuss this this draft. What guys should we be looking out for? We know what the Ravens' needs are. We'll ask him about some of those positions next here on The Fan. Covering everything sports every day. 1057 The Fan. Vinny and Haney back here on 105.7 The Fan. Cordell Woodland in for the Bobster here with Vinny Serrato. Quick draw McGraw. He's behind the glass. We're going until 2 o'clock right here on The Fan. Joining us now via the WGK Law Guest Hotline. We've got NFL Draft Analyst Tony Pauline here to talk the draft with us. What's going on, Tony? How you guys doing today? Nice to be back with you. Not bad, man. Appreciate you making some time for us and I want to just start at the top of the draft. Most drafts are kind of quarterback driven, especially in the first couple of picks. And this year has been a, a, a lot of the same three names that we've been hearing. I think the common census is that uh, Caleb Williams is the best of the bunch, but there's been a lot of discourse between Jaden Daniels and Drake May. What, what, how do you see those two guys and how are, how are you ranking them? I have uh, Drake May graded uh, slightly higher than Jaden Daniels, who I like a lot. I do think Jaden Daniels will be the second pick with Cliff Kingsbury going to Washington. It depends on what your flavor is. I mean, Jaden Daniels is much more the RPO quarterback. He's coming off of two outstanding seasons. He's got a live arm. He can make all the throws. He was very accurate, and his game is on the upswing. Drake May is more your 
traditional pocket passer. He's not immobile by any uh, sense of the word, but he's not going to be able to pick up yardage with his legs compared to Jaden Daniels. He's a terrific vertical receiver, did not have the season uh, Jaden Daniels did, kind of tailed off at the end. I think part of the reason was he was getting just the snot beat out of him at at North Carolina, and he broke down. I I mean, it depends on the type of quarterback that you want. Jaden Daniels is a smaller guy. I mean, you look at it, he looks small in the pocket. He's going to struggle withstanding the rush. Uh, he is a smart runner in that he doesn't run recklessly, uh, as some quarterbacks do. Um, I, I mean, I, again, if, if you want the more mobile uh, RPO-type guy who can throw the ball, you're going with Jaden Daniels. If you want the more traditional big-body pocket passer that can deliver the ball downfield uh, consistently, you're going with Drake May. That's not to say that Jaden Daniels can't deliver the ball downfield because he can Tony, you know what will be interesting to me is the interviews for Caleb Williams. You know, what happened to him the last six games? And, you know, I mean, he he just seems like there's a lot of issues that I would have to get uh, taken care of before I would be able to draft him off the field. A lot. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I I don't, I, I, some things, yes, I don't know how much of his Caleb Williams, I don't know how much of his is his teams. I think, but when you look on the field, I mean, there are a lot of fundamental issues as far as him not throwing with his feet, not throwing with, with his lower body, being an arm thrower that's going to, going to concern a few people. As far as the last six games of the season, I, I think it was endemic of what we see in all of college football. You looked at the year before and you expected much greater things, but, you know, you, you, you didn't look at the talent around them that he lost. Jordan Addison, you, for one, you didn't look at the offensive line, which lost a lot of people, and I just didn't expect much from USC, and I always thought going into the season, it was a one-player team. Uh, Interview is going to be important for every single player. Uh, As far as the -the off-the-field stuff with Caleb Williams, we'll see. I mean, I I wrote before the season, people look at him, it's a love or hate relationship. He's a dynamic personality off the field as he is in the huddle and on the field. So it may rub some people the wrong way. Uh, but he is a he is a terrific quarterback. We're talking to Tony Pauline, who joins us via the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Is Vinny and Haney on 105.7 The Fan? And Tony, looking at the wide receiver position, a lot of people I, I've been reading a lot of draft stuff, and I've seen some things that have gone as far as to say that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in this class altogether. Um, but looking at the wide receiver position exclusively, though, once you get past him. How do you rank some of these the the next couple of uh, wide receivers in that group? Well, I would agree with that thought. Marvin Harrison Jr. of Ohio State is the number one player in the draft on my board. I mean, after that, it's Malik Neighbors, who's a darn good player mm-hmm. in his own right, and I think he's going to be a top ten pick. Then it's Rome Adunze of Washington, who is a big-bodied guy, but he's more than just a contested catch uh, pass receiver. I think he's going to be a top fifteen pick. It does fall off a little bit, and then again, you know, it's it's up to your taste. I like Brian Thomas Jr. of LSU, another big-bodied receiver who's got who's incredibly smooth and fluid. I have a Donnie Mitchell of Texas, rated much higher than most. He's a polished receiver who really has been productive every time he's been on the field uh, on the college level, going back to his freshman season at uh, at Georgia. And then Keon Coleman of Florida State, a big-body uh, contested catch guy. And Troy Franklin, more of a speed uh, receiver, although he's got some polish to his game. Tony, the depth of the draft is where? Tackle. 
offensive tackle. No, no doubt about it. Can I mean, the Ravens get at, one at thirty, Tony? <laughs> uh, possibly. I mean, it depends on what they're you know what they're looking for. I know they like the the, the longer guy, the longer tackles. You know, you look at Kingsley Suiyamatea of a BYU, who's a very athletic guy. Played right tackle in 2022. Moved to left tackle this season. Had a good season. Had a couple of good days of practice at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I think he should be there at uh, at 30. If the Ravens don't take him, I could see the uh, I could see Jeez. the Kansas City Chiefs swiping him off the board with that last pick, considering the need that they have a tackle. Tony, the the running back position has has become kind of like that overlooked position, and teams are looking to get them late in the draft. Now we see Kyron Williams to the Rams in the fifth round. We just saw Isaiah Pacheco win back to back Super Bowls, a seventh round pick. I would imagine the Ravens are going to be in the market for a running back, but obviously they'll be looking late. What which one of these running backs do you feel like can be the next Kyron Williams, the next Isaiah Pacheco that teams can take late in the draft, and it turns out to be a home run pick. Well, you know, this year's running back class is not really good. It's situational and role type of uh, ball carriers. I don't think the first running back is going to come off the board until late in the second round, possibly the third round. Now, you know, if you're looking for a bigger type of in-between-the-tackles ball carrier, I like Jason McClellan out of Alabama, who's also an exceptional pass catcher out of the backfield. Great run vision, great instincts. Shows the ability to pick and choose his spots on the inside, but he's also strong. Braylon Allen, I'm not as high on as a lot of other people, but still, you know, if you're looking for that bigger short yardage back, that's a guy to keep an eye on. Isaiah Davis, he fits in that fifth round area from South Dakota State, uh, six foot, 225 pounds, more than just a downhill grinder. He's got good vision, he's got good short area quickness, the ability to create yards, make defenders miss. There'll be a lot of running backs there simply because there's no running backs that's really worthy of a top 45 choice, and they're all going to start to come off the board third, fourth, fifth round. Hey, Tony, uh, two-parter, who was your best player at the Senior Bowl? And and then who's going to be the guy, the darling of the combine? Who are we going to be talking about? Who's making, you know, all of a sudden is going up to the first round? Who's going to be that guy? I think people are going to fall in love with Xavier Leggett, the, the receiver from uh, South Carolina. He's going to be 6'1", 220 pounds. I'm told he's going to run in the four threes. But when you really watch me, he's more of a sprinter than he is a, uh, a, a, a polished receiver. So to answer your question, I think it's going to be Leggett of uh, South Carolina who just tests off the charts. Kip Ryman, a uh, tight end from uh, Illinois who played at the Shrine Bowl, 270 pounds. Ooh. I'm told he could run under 4-5. Wasn't a big, wasn't really active in the uh, Illinois pass offense, but he's a real good athlete who's got a lot of upside. You know, as far as the uh, senior ball is concerned, there were a lot of good offensive linemen who stood out. Really, good. Jackson Powers Johnson came into the week with an injury. He was dominant on, on the first day of practice on Tuesday. Then he had to sit down, but you know, you look at some guys when you go into the Senior Bowl and you figure if they have big weeks, they cemented themselves as first-round picks. Jackson Powers Johnson was one, as was Quinion Mitchell, the cornerback from Toledo, who could not be beat. I mean, he shut down everybody all week. And as you know, you know, you go to the Senior Bowl, these guys play backed off the line of scrimmage. You know, they give a big cushion and calls. Now all of a sudden, Senior Bowl practice, they're asked to play in press coverage, and Mitchell was fantastic, the cornerback from Toledo. Tony, usually every year we see there's a guy that performs well throughout the season, 
and then they get to the combine and the pro days and they may not put up some of the best numbers that we're used to seeing some of the elite talent do. We saw with Kyle Hamilton. I think that's the reason he was able to fall to 14 to the Ravens because he didn't have the best 40 times and all those in t- all those types of drills numbers. Is there a guy that you see that is great on the field but may, may not be as great when it, when the stopwatch is out? Yeah, well, I'm, or, or it's not just a stopwatch. It's, it's the overall computer numbers, maybe the height and, uh, the height and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Blake Quorum of Michigan, a guy who was yeah. a tremendous running back at Michigan, a guy who really they talk about J.J. McCarthy. It was Blake Quorum mm-hmm. who really carried that Michigan offense. Great vision, terrific interior runner, uh, catches the ball on the outside. He's going to be about five seven and a half. Be about 215 pounds. I don't know how fast he runs, but Blake Corm is not. He's not going to be at the top of the combine testing charts. He's just a real good football player. Hey Tony, who's a guy? Possibly Penix, a guy that you know medically you're going to be like, oh, we love him as a player, but medically he's too afraid to draft him. Well, I, maybe Penix. Penix got a couple other issues besides the injuries. Also, has the age, so you wonder what kind of upside he has. I think the guy to keep an eye on uh, is Zach Zinter of Michigan, who coming in the season, he's a big, strong uh, offensive lineman who's got some mobility. Broke his leg against Ohio State, so that was you know the the end of November when he broke his leg. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where he falls. I mean. Do teams think he's going to be able to play in 2024 on Sunday? If they do, he's going to be a day-two pick. If they think that it's going to take time to rehab that broken leg, uh, he's going to be a steal in day three of the draft. Tony, great stuff, man. Really appreciate you coming in, helping us get ready for the NFL draft in a couple of months. I'm sure we'll talk to you again uh, before the draft in April, man. But enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll talk again down the line. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me, fellas. Look forward to it. Yes, sir. Coming up next here on Vinny and Haney, we'll take one last trip through the fun house with Quick Draw McGraw before Inside Access takes over at 2 o'clock right here on The Fan. One day trade. That's three dollars. You cheap. And one plays scratch offs. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. If they still work here, you can bet they're in the bend. Vinny and Haney on 1057 The Fan. Vinny and Haney back here on 105.7 The Fin. Cordell Woodland, I've been here for Bob. Bob will be back tomorrow. We uh, think. Yeah, we think. I'm, I'm assuming you guys will be here tomorrow. Oh, well, nothing yeah. else. Me and Norm will be here for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, as to my knowledge, Bob will be in this seat at 10 o'clock. So we'll see how it goes. But pitchers and catchers report today. It's a good day. Baseball season is is hitting the restart button. It, when you think about it, the season ends in October, and here it is, February spring training. And you know, if, as a as a professional athlete, they're training even before today. Oh, so yeah. they they may get a month, month and a half at max uh, rest. Well, probably, and back to it. They're done. When were they done? October. Well, these guys, yeah, yeah, they October. Were done in October. So they probably had. A lot of them probably took off at least two weeks with mm-hmm. nothing, you know, just to chill or go on vacation and then probably start to ramp up the whatever lifting training type stuff. They, I'm sure they all have, you know, basic patterns and regimens yeah. that they've done and do. So tomorrow's the first workout with those guys. I'm sure we'll be getting plenty of 
sound from those guys talking down there in Sarasota. But right now, let's see what you guys are talking about on the text line. Quick draws, funhouse. The rudeness, tuneness text reader. Who's the fastest gun alive? This side of the Chesapeake. I like that quick draw. 1057 The Fan. Start with this one here on the Orioles. Asking a little bit earlier which pitcher could have the biggest impact this year or have a leap in production. This texter says, based on the past two seasons, the pitcher I'm expecting to make the biggest impact is someone we don't even know exists right now. Just look at CNL Perez, then Yenier Cano. Which Elias waiver claim or seemingly minor trade is going to pay big dividends? I'm trying to think of a guy that's flying under the radar that we haven't thought of. I mean, look, there are going to be some pitchers that will be called up here throughout the year that may end up being that guy, that end up being uh, the big surprise. Um, yeah, I mean, I had Grayson. I know you guys both had John Means. I'll throw Tyler Wells in there, in, in there as well. If he can just hold on for the whole year, I think he'd be spectacular, no matter if he's a starter or a bullpen guy. Uh, this one here on the Ravens says Ravens need a new running back period. Time yeah. to move on from J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. I think it's over for him here. A young, healthy running back should be top priority. Leave the old guys for the other teams. I don't. I don't disagree at all. Hey, you know, and it sounds. Listen to Tony, Tony Pauline. It sounds. You know, four to seven sounds like you're going to get them. I mean, their best back on their team was an undrafted free mm-hmm. agent this year. And Blake Corm was a was a good name that Tony yep. had brought up because Blake Corm has been spectacular. And Harbs likes Michigan. Michigan guys. Yes, he does. Yes, but he does. You know who else does? His brother, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and they need to run back need, even they worse. Do. They do. Uh, this one here says Lamar needs to learn how to throw the long ball. It's been yes. six years now, uh, hasn't got to it. Uh, starting to think if he. Doesn't do it soon. Is he ever going to get it? Well, the crazy thing is, I feel like he used to be better at throwing the long ball. It's not. I With don't. Marquise. I, would, I wouldn't say that it's always been an issue for him. That's that. I would say the last couple of years, yes, that's been the surprising thing that Lamar has struggled with the long ball, but. Early in his career, that was one of his strengths. I, I just don't think he gets enough air under the ball. He doesn't give the receivers enough chance. You got to give him a chance to run to it, you know. And he throws it so flat that mm-hmm. you know if it's not right it's on missile. target, it's a miss. Yeah, but it's not really an arm strength thing. I mean, no, if anything, no. he's overthrowing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, it's 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 uh it's a feel and it's a touch type thing. And I th- you know, who threw a beautiful deep ball with Steve Young. Beautiful deep ball. Right. He he could throw any pass. And how about one more here? Tony in Perry Hall says, if the Ravens are to lose out on Zay Flowers uh, and have to depend on Rashad Bateman, there's no way they can win the division or even come close to sniffing a Super Bowl. They might even finish in the basement of the division. Uh, it's early yet. It's early yet. You know, don't, you know, we can't panic yet. Right. Eric still got a lot. We still have, uh, you know, free agency. We still have to the, There's still a lot of stuff. To be done. Now, if we're sitting here in August and we're saying the same type things, yeah. Then it could what did Harb say the other day? He says, Well, you guys were saying that we weren't gonna be like this last year. Mm-hmm. So And I'll say this. I mean, Rashad Bateman obviously didn't have the year that he wanted to have this year, but he, he got separation, he's getting open. And I had uh Jonah Schaefer on my show last night who made the point of he's been going through rewatching the games and stuff, and he said um, 
pretty much, I forget the percentage that he said, but it was a high percentage that Bateman wasn't even the first read a lot of times. So I think to 90. that, to that probably, <laughs> probably, but to that text, if he is the de facto wide receiver one and he's on the field, if he's still winning his, you know, if he's still winning his matchup and he's the first read, you might get a different outcome. I don't know, but without question, if they don't have Zay, it's going to be a problem. That'll do it for us. Another great one in the books. Appreciate Quick Draw. Great job as always. And all the guests that we had on the show today. Bob will be back tomorrow. Appreciate you guys for having me as always. Uh, Don't touch that dial. Inside Access. They're taking over at 2 right here on The Fan. Until next time, class dismissed. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.